All right, thank you for joining us this evening at River Church. Um, tonight, I'm going to be talking about something that's actually a pretty simple little message, but it's something that I think the church needs to remember. So I'm going to put us in remembrance of something. And I think I've shared with you that when I was growing up, we didn't go to church. My parents weren't saved. So occasionally we would go to my maternal grandparents' church, and it was like an old-timey Methodist church, which were great similarity to a Baptist church, actually. Um, but I remember as a child when we would go that a lot of the sermons that were preached were always very concentrated on sin. And they could take any story from the Bible and they could make it be a lesson on sin. You know, and, and thinking about, you know, when Lot was saved, and, but his wife turned around, you know, she, she blatantly disobeyed God, so you know what happened to her? She was turned into salt. So you don't blatantly disobey God because he might strike you down. You know, and they loved Ananias and Sapphira because, you know, they lied and, you know, they were like zapped and gone. Um, so there was just a, there was a lot of discussion about sin and its consequences. And it, I guess in some ways it's, it's similar to like when the, the first great awakening started in the United States, it was in like 1741, and there was a preacher named Jonathan Edwards and his most well-known sermon was titled, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. So that tradition is sort of carried over. And there are still some churches that do this today. Um, but as a child, listening to that, it was frightening, <laughs> you know? I mean, to think, you know, well, if I, if I do bad, if I sin, is God going to zap me like he did Ananias and Sapphira? Am I going to be a, pipe, a pillar of salt? Um, so, but I know that that technique is used to get people saved because it scares them. Right? It, just like it did me as a child, it scares people into getting saved. Yes. But there are some dangers in this. Um, first is that people never move from that point. They never grow. You know, every week it's another, you know, lesson about, you know, well, if you sin, and especially if you don't, if you don't ask forgiveness or if you're not saved, it's going to be bad for you. They never move beyond that point. And the other danger is that people sin and they don't see any consequences. And they're like, I didn't get zapped. Maybe there's not really much to this. What they don't understand is that there are consequences, but God is not going to zap us. He's not going to send a lightning bolt down here and do that, right? So I have been really, really happy over the last few years to see a lot more discussion about God's goodness. Because, you know, you think about it in Romans 2.4, it says that it's the goodness of God that draws men to him, right? Not the fear of being zapped or whatever. So it's his goodness and his kindness and his patience that leads us to repentance and to have a fuller life as a Christian. And so recently, I guess it might have been a Sunday, I'm not sure what date it was, but we were, had a, a service here, and we read James 1, 5. And you don't have to go there, because I'm actually going to read it out of the Amplified. 
Um, and it says, if any of you lacks wisdom to guide him through a decision or circumstance, he is to ask of our benevolent God, who gives to everyone generously and without rebuke or blame, and it will be given to him. And I'd read that verse many times, but pastor used it in a service, and I started thinking about it. And so I went and I looked it up in the Passion. And in the Passion it says, and if anyone longs to be wise, ask God for wisdom, and he will give it. He won't see your lack of wisdom as an opportunity to scold you over your failures, but he will overwhelm your failures with his generous grace. And I love that. It says he won't see your lack of wisdom as an opportunity to scold you over your failures. God is not going to do that. He's not. It says he will overwhelm your failures with his generous grace. And I looked at that and I thought, you know, there's a really big difference between what I, I encountered as a child, that, that really sin consciousness, and what this says God really is. How it, it shows his goodness and his mercy and his grace. And it occurred to me that really God is our cheerleader. He encourages us. I mean, he goes out of his way many times to encourage us. And I don't know about anybody else here had the, the experience of being an actual cheerleader, but in junior high school, I was a cheerleader. We were at a really small school. We never really won any games. So I don't know how good a cheerleader I really was, but the whole purpose of a cheerleader is to encourage. Right? I mean, you, get the, you try to get the, the crowd cheering, and, and that's very encouraging for the players. And so I started thinking about, okay, how is God really our cheerleader? And that's what I want to talk about tonight. It's a very simple thing to consider, but I think it's also important. And I came up with two different ways that God is actually encouraging us. So... Um, in the Old Testament, let's turn to Joshua 1.9. We're going to start back here. And I got to find Joshua. That's one I didn't mark for myself. <coughs> yeah. I got my hand on Judges. There it is. Okay. Joshua 1.9. And you know this story. We all know this story. And this is when Joshua was taking over after Moses died. And if you think about it, Joshua is in a really difficult position in a way. Because all these people who he's about to lead, they were all born while they were wandering around in the wilderness. And Moses is the only leader they've ever known. He was it. And now Moses is gone. So the whole question becomes, what can Joshua do for us? That's a lot of pressure on a person. And so in 1.9, God's talking to him and he said, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. 
Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What great encouragement. Yes. I mean, he knows it's not going to be easy for Joshua, but he's saying, it's okay. I'm not going to leave you. You know, I'm going to be with you wherever you go. That's extremely encouraging. Yeah. And if you think about Abraham, um, Abraham was having a little difficulty believing what God had told him. Because in the natural, it didn't look like it, it could happen. So he took him out and he showed him the stars. And he said, you know, your descendants are going to be like the stars in the heavens, or like the sand on, out here. And he's like, that's so encouraging. He, it's like God going out of his way to say, it's okay. This really is going to happen. That's very encouraging. And it just shows me that our Heavenly Father wants to encourage us. He wants to help us. And he's always going to do that. And we see that pattern continue in the New Testament because Jesus encouraged his disciples. Sometimes he rebuked them a little bit, but he always encouraged them because he wanted them to be able to, to like build up the church after he was gone. I mean, he knew what was going to happen. And so he wanted to encourage them. And so in Mark 4.24, and I'm reading this out of the Amplified. He said to them, pay attention to what you hear by your own standard of measurement, that is to the extent that you study spiritual truth and apply godly wisdom, it will be measured to you. And you will be given even greater ability to respond and more will be given to you besides. And he's saying, pay attention to what you hear. If you listen to what I say, it's going to be measured out to you, and you're going to get a lot more, too. It's like, come on, guys, you can do this. Just listen to what I say. Pay attention. Learn. And he knew that that way, when he was gone, they would remember what they had learned with him. And that was a way to encourage them. And I considered the story of Peter when he called to Jesus and said, is that you? Bid me come. So... Peter walks out on the water, and a lot of attention is given to the fact that Peter sort of took his eyes off Jesus, and he looked at the waves. <clears throat> and that's true. But, you know, Jesus said, come, come. And do you think that Jesus looked at him and said, you poor pitiful thing, you just went under the water, find your own way back to the boat? No. You know what he probably did? He picked him up, and Peter walked with him back to the boat. And we never really think about that, do we? We just concentrate on that whole thing about Peter lost his, his vision there, and he was kind of looking at the waves instead of Jesus. But Jesus was very encouraging. He probably helped him you know, out of the water and said, it's okay, you can do this. And so they just walked to the yes. boat together. Yes. I find that picture very encouraging because you know, how many times have I been doing something and I took my eyes off of Jesus or off of God, or off of His Word, or off of His promises, and He picks me up. And He walks me and says, it's okay. It's all right. We can do this. I'm here with you. And to me, that's a very encouraging picture. And God has a lot of verses of encouragement for us in the Word. 
So, I mean, you can look at those sorts of stories and you can see encouragement, but he also has words that we can use in our lives for our direct encouragement. Um, and I'm going to start in way back in Deuteronomy. And I'm going to, I'm going to use an app to look this up so that I don't have to have so many different Bibles up here. So we're going to um, Deuteronomy 31.8. Okay. And it says, It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or abandon you. Do not fear or be dismayed. The Lord goes before you. He will be with you, Pam. He will be with you, Annette. He will not fail you or abandon you, Lynn. You know, that's very encouraging. Do not fear or be dismayed. I like that. I like that he gives us these sorts of words, and while they might have been directly given to somebody else in the past, they're ours. Yeah. They're ours. Yes. So if I'm going through something and I'm feeling maybe like there's nobody who understands it, it's like, well, he's here, right? He says, he says right here, he will not fail or abandon me. Do not fear or be dismayed. Very encouraging. Let's go to um, Isaiah 43 2. Let's see. Okay, so in Isaiah 43.2, it says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. Another way in which he is encouraging us and giving us promises too, right? You know, when you pass through the waters, anybody ever been through what felt like really high water? You felt like you've been through a fire? But he said, it's not going to burn you. It's not going to scorch you. It's all right. You know, I'm here with you. So next, let's go to Jeremiah 29.11. And we all know this one. Just flip over a little bit. And I don't know about you, but this one has brought me a lot of comfort over the years. Because there have been times when I know that I was not on the path that God had for me. I wasn't quite sure how to get back on it. But he says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, or in my Bible I have peace, and not for calamity. To give you a future and a hope. I like that a lot. You know, that's very encouraging to me. Because, 
you know, rather than concentrating on that sin and what's going to happen to me if I sin or if I've fallen away from what he wanted me to do or, you know, maybe I didn't do something I should have, he said, it's okay. Because his plans are to give me a future and a hope. He has good plans for me. He's encouraging me and saying, it's okay. It's all right. Because we can get you back on track. And if you're like me, you've, you've done that, right? Might have taken a little while to get you back on track. Sometimes God has, because of what the steps that we've done, you know, he has to go around the mountain a little bit to get us back on. But we did. We got back on. And so in the meantime, when you're trying to get back on, it is, I think, very helpful to have verses like this that say, you know, I got plans for your peace, not for calamity. So it's, it's going to be okay. That I don't have, I'm not going to punish you because you fell off to the side. Instead, I'm going to get you back on track because I have a future and a hope for you. Very encouraging. And the next one I'm going to read out of the Passion. So I don't know how many of you have the Passion available. But it's going to be John 14, 27. A lot of verses. I have to keep going here. <clears throat> John 14, 27. And he says, I leave the gift of peace with you. My peace. This is Jesus talking. Not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. I leave the gift of peace with you. Not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear. Be troubled in your thoughts. Instead, be courageous. Be courageous because he's given us his peace. And what he gives to us is so much better than what the world can give us. And there are a lot of times when it seems that peace is difficult to find. Especially, you know, when there's troubles going on in your family or whatever. But it is there. And it's encouraging that Jesus told us, I'm leaving you my peace. Which goes beyond anything that the world can even understand. In this situation, they think you ought to be falling apart, but you don't have to. Because you have my peace. And it's just, it's... Amazing. Okay, and then let's look at Philippians 4.13. Okay. A very simple verse that everyone knows. But actually, it's a very powerful and encouraging verse. When it says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It didn't say, you can do most things. It didn't say, you know, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It'll be all right. 
It is says, you know, Paul says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's the same God who strengthens us. Amen. And he pulled Paul through a lot of things. Yeah. So I can do those things too because I'm not operating in my own power or my own strength. I'm, I'm using God's because he's put that in me yes. and he's made all this available to me. Yes. So I can do whatever I need to do because he strengthens me. Very encouraging. And there are lots and lots of verses like that in the word and I only pulled out a few of those. But I think there's something else that we also need to remember. And that is that as believers, we're actually called to encourage each other. That's a very important part of the church. So let's look at 1 Thessalonians 5.11. I don't know why it is, but Thessalonians just disappears sometimes when I'm looking for it. It's just like, poof, and there it is. <clears throat> And this is a very direct responsibility that we have. It said, therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you also are doing. Encourage one another and build up one another. Sometimes the church has gone in the opposite direction. Instead of building people up, we divide or we discourage, right? But that's not what we're supposed to be doing. What we're supposed to be doing is building each other up. We're supposed to be helping people to navigate their walk. Because everybody's walk is a little different. God has different paths for all of us. But, you know, as a church, we come together. Like, you're my family. You're my brothers and you're my sisters. And God put us together just like this, like he wanted us to be. And we are supposed to encourage each other. That means that we need to know each other. And I've been in churches that were really big. And you only knew a few people. And even then, sometimes you didn't really know what was going on with them. I think we're very blessed because we have a church that is the size that we can really know what's going on with each other and we can share that. Yes. And that gives us the opportunity to encourage and to help build people up. Because, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world. And just looking at what's going on in society sometimes can be very, I don't know, distressful for some people. They can, it can really cause them anxiety. But as Christians, we shouldn't feel that way. We should never feel like there's nobody to help us. We shouldn't be lonely. We have each other. And we should be encouraging each other, no matter what's happening. Uh, so go to Hebrews 3.13.
It says, but encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, lest any one of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So we're supposed to encourage people, and it says, day after day. So basically, whenever we come together, we should be encouraging one another. Because the world has a tendency to try to creep in. It gives us a lot of distractions. One of the things that, um, that I heard early this year was not to be tripped up by the little things that the devil puts in our path. And every day, he's doing that, right? I mean, there's just these little things. It just can be so annoying. But don't let them trip you up. And when we come together, if you know, it's we always share the great things that God is doing in our lives. But we should also talk about, you know, I need encouragement in this area. It requires us to be honest. And God wants us to be honest and truthful. You know, and I think a lot of us have probably gone without the encouragement we, we could have used simply because we didn't want to admit I need encouragement. Or because it seems like it's, it, it makes us weak. Right. But you know what? We're stronger when we work together. We are stronger when we encourage and we lift each other up. Just like when we were praying tonight and, and Garland was like, you know, when, when things come, we got our backs together. We are fighting it together. We, encouragement. We like that because it makes us stronger as a church. It makes us stronger as individuals, and it makes us stronger as Christians. Um, let's see. And I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4 out of the Passion. Second Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. <clears throat> All praises belong to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for he is the Father of tender mercy and the God of endless comfort. He always comes alongside us to comfort us in every suffering so that we can come alongside those who are in any painful trial. We can bring them this same comfort that God has poured out on us. That's what we're supposed to do, isn't it? You know, it's like God comes along and he comforts us. And then we turn around and we comfort others. And that comfort can be encouragement. It can be, you know, other kinds of actions. But basically, what he has poured into us, we pour out to others. And he's given us that peace. And he's given us that compassion. And it says here that he's given us comfort. And we can, we can use that to help other people. And it doesn't have to be somebody in the church either. I think we have special responsibilities to our church family and to other Christians. But you know, the world is a very difficult place for a lot of people. A lot of people are hurting. And how much difference would it make in somebody's life if you just went up and encouraged them? It doesn't have to be something small. I mean, something big. It can be something small. But for a lot of people, they never get that. They don't get love from other people. They don't know what that feels like. So if we show them just a little bit, 
of compassion and tenderness and encouragement, it could really make a difference in their lives. So I think that's something that we need to, we need to think about. Um, and then I'm going to go to Hebrews 10.24. And I'm going to read this in the Passion also. I have to say, Hebrews is just about one of my favorite books. <clears throat> that in Ephesians. I know that it's made a difference in my life before when people have encouraged me. In the Passion, I like the way this is worded. It says, discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them toward acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. Wow. Discover creative ways to encourage others. Hmm. You know, encouragement takes different forms. It can be, hey, let me help you with that. Um, it could be, you know, you, you just do an amazing job. You really inspire me. It can be, wow, that's a really pretty dress you have on. Different types of encouragement are really important to people. So look for different ways, creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them toward acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. And these are expressions of love. Now, I'm not asking you to make things up. It has to be something that's real. You know, don't just say something because then it becomes fake and it becomes shallow and it's not really worth anything but true encouragement is worth a lot true encouragement is something that really is motivating for people it is something that they can almost dip into like a a reserve and it keeps them going in difficult times you know i'm i'm a, a very grateful person because I have a husband who's really encouraging of me. I mean, even when I come up with some odd ideas, he's like, okay, we could try that. <laughs> and he's good about that. He really is. And sometimes they're good ideas and sometimes they're not so good ideas. But he is very encouraging. And, you know, and I have activities that I do that he doesn't really participate in. And he's like, I'm sure, go ahead. You know, we will support you in that. And I that's nice because you don't want to feel as if you're out there by yourself doing everything. So I'm, I'm very appreciative of that. Um, okay, so Galatians 6 is where we're going now. Verses 9 and 10. <clears throat> and I think in this verse we see that special uh, commission, so to speak, a special responsibility that we have to other Christians. In verse 9 it says, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we shall reap if we do not grow weary. And we are very familiar with that verse, right? In verse 10, it says, So then, 
while we have opportunity, let us do good to all men, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So, and under opportunity in verse 10, I have seasons. I guess pastor has said, or someone has said seasons. So while we have seasons, let us do good to all men, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So those who are of the household of faith are obviously fellow Christians. So let's do good. And I would say encouraging and motivating and helping is certainly doing good. Yes. And then I've got one more. Um, I'm going to read this out of the Amplified. It's 1 Thessalonians 5.12. And I like this one because we have a lot of people who basically make churches work. I remember that I was part of a group of people who were initially going to a new church in Shelby County. And we initially were meeting at the Women's Missionary Union. And so every Saturday night, we went and set up all the chairs and got everything ready for the people to come in and worship on Sunday. And nobody ever said, hey, thanks for coming in or anything like that. It was just part of sewing into it. But we have people in every church who make it go. They're behind the scenes. And every person has a job. And at this church, at this size, everyone really does have a job. And, but you know, a lot of people don't get necessarily recognized for it. So here in verse 12, it says, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to appreciate those who diligently work among you. Recognize, acknowledge, and respect your leaders who are in charge over you in the Lord and who give you instruction. So to recognize, acknowledge, respect, to appreciate, sounds to me like you want to encourage them. And we all need that encouragement, right? Yes. Because when you do something over and over and you don't feel like you're appreciated, that's not a good way to treat our fellow brothers and sisters. So if you just take the time to recognize and encourage them for what they do, it can make them feel so much more loved. And isn't that what God does for us? I mean, just read all some verses that of how he gave personal encouragement to leaders in the Old Testament. And he left verses for us so that we could hear him speaking to us. So we need to also speak those words and that encouragement to our brothers and sisters. So encouragement is absolutely necessary as we navigate our lives in this world. Because without it, we dry up. You know? We have to have encouragement. You can't, I don't think that the Christian walk was ever designed to be solo. It's not. It's something where we work together. That's why he came up with the idea of the church, right? Um, because I think that our Heavenly Father wants us to feel the love and the compassion and 
and just the enjoyment also of being around fellow Christians because that builds up the body. That makes the church stronger. And when we have that in our lives, it's easier for us to give it out in the world. And that's what it's really about, right, is bringing people into the church, is getting people saved. So I think encouragement is absolutely necessary. So I have a challenge for you, actually. And the challenge is to think about how can I become a better encourager in 2023? You know, we are at the beginning of the year. We're only in day 25. And I challenge you to make it just a habit to encourage someone, at least one person every week. And I'm betting that once you do that for a little while, you're going to actually want to do it more often. Because there's something about when you encourage someone and they receive that encouragement, it makes you feel good too. You know? So it's, it's, it's like, oh, I brought a little bit of love. I brought a, bit, a little bit of light into somebody's life. And, you know, you kind of get that glow from it too. Now, this means you have to be good receivers too. So if somebody comes up and encourages you, don't just blow them off. Don't do that. Because be a good receiver. God wants us to receive the encouragement because it's important to us. Because it is something that is necessary as we move through life. So um, we recognize that God is a really good father. And he wants us to love and encourage others and to show them the love and encouragement that he has shown to us. And when we build each other up like that, then we can go out and show that love and encouragement to the world. So, and that's my simple little lesson tonight. I mean, it, it seems simple in many ways, but it's actually something that I think is quite important. And especially as we live in a world that seems to be getting darker and darker, we need to make sure that we are encouraging more and more. So, all right. Well, thanks for joining us tonight.